Welcome to episode 77 of the Winging It podcast. Um, Man, (laughs) we got some stuff to talk about today, but before we get into that, uh, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram and TikTok at winging.it.pod, giving us a follow on YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify and SoundCloud. Also, if you guys haven't heard, uh, we are recording this episode today on Tuesday. We are announcing a ticket giveaway for the Grace Project, um, and the tickets will go to the Eagles-Giants game on Christmas, because now that game is going to be meaningful, unfortunately. Uh, Cutoff is uh, going to be Wednesday at 12 p.m. All right, let's get into the episode today. So I told the guys this morning, I don't want to do any segments. I don't want to do... Any cute structure of the show, I just want to put the mic down in front of us and hit record. The Philadelphia Eagles got absolutely embarrassed on Sunday Night Football last night against Drew Locke and the Seattle Seahawks. We just cannot beat this team with Pete Carroll at the helm. I don't know what it is. The Seahawks are nothing special. This is not one of the gauntlet teams. We totally underperformed yesterday. It feels like the season's gone. Um, as always, I'm with Drew and Ali. Ali, let me pass it over to you, man. How are we feeling today? Um, you know, go from there. I'm pretty embarrassed, man. Um, I think going into this game, I know last week when we talked about our, our loss to the Cowboys, you know, I had my reservations about whether or not we can win the, we could win this game. And to see them come to sort of fruition and manifest the way that they did last night um, it is probably the most embarrassing that it could have been. The fact that our offense only scored 17 points against a defense that gave up 42 points to the Cowboys not two weeks ago. Um, I don't know how much they gave up against the 49ers, but it it certainly wasn't 17 points. It was a lot more. Um, Mm. I think there were some bright spots yesterday, but honestly, like you just can't lose to Drew Locke. And that's exactly what we did last this past. um, I think Ali, your mic cut out there, but saying you can't lose to Drew Locke. I predicted an L, but I thought Geno Smith was going to be at the helm. Drew, you look like you are hurting today. You are dressed in all black. Mm -hmm. How you feeling, man? Yeah, while Ali regains his connection. Uh, you know, I thought today would be an appropriate day to rock some Flyers attire because I'm done, man. You know, last night was the viewing, and let's let today be the funeral. Dearly departed, we are gathered here today to crap all over this team the same way that they had crapped all over our hopes this season. I can't believe not only did we lose back-to-back games, but here we are a third week yep. in a row. I don't understand. A few weeks ago, I think it was Ali that said, we define the the 2023 Eagles as the team that finds a way to win. 
And here we are, the team that finds a way to lose. 10-point lead against the Seahawks, the worst pass defense in the NFL. Jalen Hurts throws for 143 yards. I know he was sick, whatever. He still ran for 60 yards. He still ran for two touchdowns. So you can save that sick excuse. This was an absolute embarrassment, as you said. We get upset again on national television. And um, yeah, honestly, I'm just really excited to to just start ripping into this squad because I'm at a complete loss and I'm not over it. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. I don't know if Ali is going to be able to join back uh, for, for the rest of the episode. There, There's two camps here, right? That's hilarious. That- how reminiscent it would be to not have Ali. And here we are back to our old days ripping on Jalen Hurts again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny though because there's going to be two camps when you when you think about this, right? Like the Lions at ten and four, it is bright, it is cheery, the birds are chirping, they are so excited. And then you have the Eagles at ten and four, same exact record, potentially an easier schedule here at the end of the year because the Lions do have to play the Cowboys, and it is doom and gloom here. I think I just like want everyone to like realize like why are we actually feeling this way? It's because the bar has been set really high, and I and I did a lot of reflection last night. Um, last year, man, was really a Goldilocks year. Like when you really think about everything that happened to the Eagles, it was Goldilocks. We had cheap talent. We had Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract. We could spend the money in some of those pivotal places on the defense, offense, where we needed to make sure that we had the best linebackers. talent on the oh, team. Oh, linebacker. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ow. <clears throat> Sorry, We're, something's in my throat. And then also, like, we had talented coordinators, right? Regardless of how you feel about Jonathan Gannon, he's a head coach here. Shane Steichen is a head coach here. Like we had all of the pieces and everything that you need. Now we're going to be going through some difficult times upcoming. We're we're going to lose Jason Kelsey. We're going to be in cap hell because Jalen Hurts is now the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Not saying he doesn't deserve it, but our window is like really right now. Last year was the first year was open. This year's the second. Next year's the third. You don't have a lot of teams that that do this. You know, I kind of feel like our team is going to look like the last like few years, like the Titans look. They always get to the playoffs. Maybe they'll win a wild card round. Maybe not. And that's like kind of their legacy. It's kind of where the Saints have been too recently. That is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Lions fans, and, I, and I'll get off here in a second. The Lions fans, they're excited. They have young talent. They have all of these up-and-coming stars. They have some awesome rookies that they drafted. Their contracts aren't very expensive. They should be much more excited. The Eagles, it is about to be grim for us. You better buckle up, Philly, because it is going to be a challenge up ahead. We are no better than a wild card team. Ali, he's back. He's back. I'm back. I'm back. The app crashed on me, guys. <laughs> it's oh, good, is that man. what happened? I thought you just yeah. dis- I thought you just disintegrated into into dust. <laughs> I, I thought so as well. Dude, um, yeah, Alex. You know, I'm. I'll send this right to you, Ali, because I I immediately, as Alex was just talking, and you know, Ali, I'm not going to catch you up. You know, so you can just you can listen to the playback of the episode yourself. But here's a clue: the the sky's falling. <laughs> <laughs> we the Eagles. The 2023 Philadelphia Eagles are no different than the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. Correct. I wish I could find the list of quarterbacks that we faced last year because I at one point did have them written down last year as we were talking about how easy our schedule was. And now here we are. Our schedule is a little bit more difficult and we were given the illusion that the Eagles were a good team because 
hell, we were 10 and one. So uh, any, any, any person w- would assume so, but then you're actually put against real talent and you don't show up at all. And now last night you go against Drew Locke, a career backup quarterback and the worst pass defense in the NFL. And you come up way short. Ali, welcome back. Hit us with some feelings. Um, so I was listening to the Shannon Sharp Chad Ochocinco podcast this morning on my way into work, and Shannon Sharp said um, my favorite phrase of the week. I think he said, "Nothing cheap, nothing deep." In the situation that we were in at the end of the game, when the Seahawks were driving from their eight-yard line, they needed a touchdown. A field goal was not going to do that. So the play call, which frankly, I, I'm not going to beat up on Matt Pat- Patricia too much because, you know, you hold the team in today's NFL to 20 points. You should generally win the game if you have the offensive firepower that we have. Mm-hmm. But we have a guy in James Bradbury who not a, two drives right before was burned on the sideline. with Dude, DK. honestly, I'm not I can't even crap on the defense. You know what? Screw Bradbury. He sucked, and I'm sorry to cut you off. I will let you finish your thought, but we gave up 20 points to the Seahawks. You got to win that game. I don't care. Sidney Brown, Roby, and um, uh, Kelly Ringo, they all all looked okay. They they were salvageable. No, Sidney Brown's not off the hook either because that dude can't tackle. He can't tackle. I think he can clean some of that stuff up. Honestly, I I don't think like he's a rookie. He found, like, honestly, every single play that the Seahawks were were in, like, Sidney Brown was in the frame of every single play, right? Like, the dude runs downhill, and frankly, like, if he misses a couple of tackles here and there, like, he's a rookie. I'm going to give him some some rope just to be like, okay, you, you got to clean some stuff up. Like, this isn't college where people are just going to go down when you hit them like that. He you is Luis. Up. He's Luis Mendoza from the Mighty Ducks. He can't stop. So he just <laughs> runs full speed. doesn't matter if he actually makes contact with the guy. <laughs> He's, he's there, but <laughs> exactly, exactly. But honestly, to your point, like I, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to, to throw a lot of shade towards the defense. What I will do is, is throw shade towards James Bradbury. Cause frankly, he was our most experienced corner. Listen, the cornerback is in my opinion, the most difficult position to play outside of the position of quarterback. Like the fact that I was watching a TikTok yesterday of Emmanuel Acho talking about like that tweet that um, Rashad Mendehall said about the the all white team versus the all black team, and uh, Ocho, or Emmanuel Acho was like, "Okay, here's what you got to go against." Starts naming offensive linemen. Starts naming Christian McCaffrey. Starts naming you know Cooper Cup and and Adam Thielen on the 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 wide receiver side. Starts naming it. all of these players on the deep. No, he goes into the defensive line. He goes into the linebackers. He goes into the safeties, and then he's like, for cornerback, white team's in trouble. White team is in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand that cornerback is the most difficult position to play, but the fact that James Bradbury our most experienced cornerback was burned on the sideline with DK Metcalf. And when it mattered most, when they were dialing up their play where they were like, we need a touchdown here or we're going to lose the game. They didn't go after Keely Ringo. They didn't go after Roby. They didn't go after Eli Ricks. They went after our most experienced cornerback and arguably probably the weakest part of our entire secondary. They went after James Bradbury who got burned yet again. Drew Locke said in his headset, his offensive coordinator came on and said, watch for the soft corner, meaning this corner is playing bump and cover, right? 
and he got burned. We were playing a single high safety, so he had no support above. So there was a likely chance that Bradbury was going to get burned there. And you could put this on the play call. You could put this on on the player. But frankly, I'm just going to put it on the player because James Bradbury is not having a good season this year. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, yeah. Drew Locke is Andrew Luck, uh, just reincarnated, apparently, against the Eagles. Just like Sam Howell is gosh darn Tom Brady against the Eagles. Dude, hey, don't forget about Zach Wilson. Don't forget about Zach Wilson, guys. You mean Dude, Joe Namath? Every quarterback, every quarterback that we've played, our secondary has made them look like MVP candidates. And that's that's not me being tongue-in-cheek. Like Every single quarterback that we have played has had his best game that he's had in his entire career when he's played our secondary. Except Tua. Figure that one out. Honestly, I think the Jalen Hurts turnovers are were the last straw for me last night. He threw two interceptions, one of which I'd say were probably not his fault. Quez Watkins just got manhandled, and there may have been a little DPI on that play as well. But, you know, it's nothing different from what he did last year. He threw the ball up and tried to give his guy a chance. But the, the fact that at the end of the game, when all we needed was 12 yards yep. and Kenny Gainwell was wide open, he must have had like a good 20 or 30 yards in front of him. All he had to do was just throw the check down. Kenny Gainwell would have gotten the 15 yards that he needed. We would have called the timeout and at least we would have had a shot at the end of the game. Instead, he throws this ill-advised ball to, to A.J. Brown, which gets intercepted. And I'm like... There, there is a an element of like situational football that I just I don't feel like he is he is grasping this year in the same way that he was last year, where he knew the down and distance, he knew the circumstance of the game, and he knew what he had to do, and it's resulted in an ungodly amount of turnovers. Like he has to be at the the top of of the amount of turnovers that quarterbacks have this season and and I'm tired of it right like if you don't protect the football if you don't you know sort of have a team that's able to get you the football back which we don't you're going to put yourself in holes like we've seen all season long agreed Alex do you do you think that this has anything to do with Jalen getting his big payday I mean it, it it feels it just feels like clockwork with these guys where we see them put on the, they go out and they have this great MVP like season. And then we lock them up long term. And then all of a sudden the regression starts. I understand with extra money comes extra pressure, comes higher expectations. But when we look at Jalen Hurts attitude wise as a leader, we see better than this. So why is this happening in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think for 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 one thing is we see this with almost every single quarterback that has a really good rookie run and they get their money. I don't think it's necessarily um well, I think there's a few things. I I don't think it's necessarily that they're regressing, they get their money and they check out as much. I think a leader like, you know, who are some of the new guys? Like I think Trevor Lawrence when he gets his big payday, um Joe Burrow um, Jalen Hurts, like these guys want Super Bowls. Like they want the bragging rights and everything. Brock one Purdy. thing can be, oh God, one, I don't want to talk about Brock Purdy right now, dude. One thing with Jalen is, um, or a lot of these quarterbacks is because they're so good and elevated that their coordinators end up moving to head coaching jobs. And we've seen that across the NFL. So now they're new with, now they're here with new personnel and the statistics actually show, and I read it on last week's episode that Jalen Hurts is outperforming the scheme that he's put in, that he's making more completions than he should. In my opinion, 
Hertz is regressing. He did have a flu game, but these plays that Brian Johnson is calling and these run and these route concepts are absolutely pathetic. Um, bubble screens. How many failed screen passes did we did we see yesterday? But now, but now my question is: is like, do we blame do we blame Brian Johnson for Jalen Hurts' decision to to throw both of those deep balls? Is it is it the plan to just try to to, to draw offensive pass interference because that's all it seems like they're trying to do with these plays, and it's a freaking waste. Yeah, I mean, I didn't absolutely hate the Quez Watkins throw. Quez is just a really bad receiver, though. Um, his jersey was getting tugged. Like you have to have the 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 mental, um, I don't know, aptitude to say, "Hey, like I'm going to sell this call." Right? Like he 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 did. He wasn't even looking for a flag. Like he knows that his jersey got pulled down. His shoulder pad is going out, and then he's just running to the back of the end zone. He you ain't going to get that to, kind of respect. <laughs> yeah, you ha- but you have to try to create. You have to try to create something there. That last play to AJ Brown was a total boneheaded move. Ali shared a picture in our group chat yesterday of Kenny Gainwell being the check down route, waiting there for a ball. And I said, hey, you can't really see to the left. He's like, oh, okay, Alex. And they shared a picture of everything that looked to his left. There was 20 yards Nothing but of, of open field. Hurts, he doesn't even strike me as a Carson Wentz needing to play hero ball type of player, right? One thing I do want to call out as well as like when we're talking about coaching when you look at the 49ers, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at the um, – um, there's another team I was thinking of, the, the Baltimore Ravens. What is one thing they all have in common that we just have absolutely none of? A qualified head coach. It's explosive plays. Guys, like we were just getting four, five, six yards all game. The two passes that were – explosive resulted in interceptions. There is no misdirection with the tight ends running up down the field that you would see in a George Kittle. There is no creative wheel routes that you see with Christian McCaffrey. There is like none of that on this team. It is like, we're just going to try to like out, out, just, just get away from our corner and get away here. Five yard curl down. there's just nothing explicit. There's no characteristics. Let me just get this straight. So you're, you're not okay with the little screen passes to the left or the right, where you're basically throwing the ball next to another player on your team, where there's just nothing but a cluster F of people there where we had, I can't stand plays. We had a screen pass to the left side of the field to Devonta Smith, who was supposed to set up the block for Zacchaeus. The two smallest guys on our freaking wide receiver. Why is Smitty throwing a block for a, an intended wide receiver screen when you have Julio Jones and you have A.J. Brown? It just makes no freaking sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense to me on the personnel, the play calls, the lack of explosiveness, this lazy just line up in a shotgun and you're going to draw left or you're going to draw right and the defense can pick it out right from there it is just so or christian mccaffrey sitting on his couch on the manning cast already knowing what the eagles are going to do oh my god it's just insane all right drew ali and i have talked a lot it's your turn let me let me ask you a question what do you think is the biggest area of because because i think we agree the defense is okay what are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts? Do you think he is regressing? Do you think this on Brian Johnson? Do we think that Nick Sirianni is an actual fraud and he had the coordinators to elevate him last year? Like, what is your assessment on this coaching staff versus talent that we have on the field? Well, 
the first thing you said, I, I don't think the defense is okay. But I think that when the defense only allows 20 points, you better take advantage of that. And your offense, the bread and butter of this team, need to find a way to score more than 20 points against a lackluster defense. There's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. And the only thing that I'm like, the point that I'm at is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of Nick Sirianni. Everything is fine and good. And even his, my my friend, uh, my friend, Zach, shout out to Zach called it little boy energy. And that's exactly what he exudes. It's little boy energy. Even when we win, it's little boy energy, the cheering that like that stuff's all great when we're winning. But once the winning stops, Nah, I'm done, man. I don't need to hear your press mm. conferences of you filibustering and pandering and blobbering and blubbering and 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 putting a bunch of words together that mean absolutely nothing. How about this, Nick? How about you get some freaking control over this team? How about you have some sort of communication with your coordinators and maybe put a learn how to actually coach on the fly? Every like when we have success, when we had success in this game offensively, it was the first drive of the game and it was the first drive coming out of halftime. Congratulations. You were able to put a game script together well in advance. But then when you're actually tasked with 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 coming up with plays on the fly organically, you can't do it. You run the same crap over and over and over again. And here we are finding ways to lose, which is the complete opposite of what we were doing a couple weeks ago. And, you know, it's catching up to us. It, it felt like there was something magic about this team. But then, when, you know, when we look at the stats of of the point differential for having all these wins, but our point differential only being like 10 points on the season, we're exposed, you know? And and I don't know where the team goes from here. I'm worried that this, this you know, this, this creeps into the locker room, which I'm really hoping not because that's something I put a lot of faith in. Jalen being a leader, you know, Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, all these dudes that have been here forever that know how to actually motivate a team. But then if we have all these players with experience, then why can't the players be adults? Why can't the the players overcome crappy coaching? I just, I don't know where to go next. And it's really frustrating. All right. I have a question for both of you guys. And I want, uh, we'll start with you, Ali. So this is the first time this year that the Eagles are actually not in control of their own destiny. That little Instagram caption that all these players are saying in the locker room is not true. If we went out, but the Lions went out, they will take the number two seed. Doesn't really matter too much right now if the 49ers lose to the to the Ravens or not. I do think it will be a good matchup. But so we would just the, win the division if we went out, so basically. If we went out because the Cowboys play um, the Lions. So we, I, I think we also need the Cowboys to lose, too, if, if my math is math. Incorrect. No. We don't, okay. We dropped from okay. anyway, anyway. to so, so So knowing that, right, let's just say these next three weeks pan out the way that we wanted to. And we finish number two in seeding. We take the division. Dallas does what they need to do. Lions do what they need to do. However, what, whatever that works out. Are you guys optimistic that if we can turn these next three games around, th- three games a long time, Ali, I'll start with you. Like, should we be excited for a postseason run here? Or are you just like totally given up and it's just like, hey, let's let's hope we can make it to the divisional round, but that's as far as we'll go. To answer your question, I'm going to – say a, a, a quote, a lesson that my mom gave me. I sent it to you guys last night in our group chat. But um, when I was a kid, I had some friends who were being mean to me. And my mom Aww. told me when someone is them. trying to tell you, when someone is trying to tell you who they are, you need to listen to them. So in the case of the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles, they are a lackluster 
offense. I know we talked about coaching versus player execution. I think good coaching can overcome bad player execution, but bad coaching can hinder player execution. I think the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles are a lackluster team that is underperforming due to bad coaching. And I don't think that we are going to, if we see success in the next three weeks, we may win a first round wildcard playoff game, but we're not going to win in the divisional round. I don't see us winning against Dallas. I don't see us winning... Uh, against San Francisco, depending on how you know the the seeding shakes out, we're likely not going to play San Francisco uh, in the divisional round. But I don't see us playing Dallas and winning in the divisional round. Frankly, I'm I'm be shocked if we end up playing the Lions and we end up winning. Right? Like yeah. I think this team over the course of this past season, this is why winning can be so detrimental to the mindset of a team because when you know you're winning and you're turning the ball over it's just things that you have to clean up it's not until you start losing and you're like holy crap our turner turnover differential is like minus something or our points differential is only 18 points on the season in totality that's when they start creeping up and unfortunately all of these conversations that we're having right now are happening so close to the end of the season to where I don't think there is anything that this team can do to really rectify the situation. So to well, answer your Drew, question, yeah, I don't think we're yeah. going to be able to do much. Drew, so Eagles are in the playoffs, potential number two seed. Are you excited for a postseason run if we get that number two spot? <laughs> well, I want to hit Ali back with two quotes real quick. One from Jalen Hurts is, you can't win without losing. And then the second one is uh, T.O. where he says, uh, <laughs> if it looks like a rat and smells like a rat, it's probably a rat. I know he was talking about Jeff Garcia at the time, who actually won a playoff game for the Eagles. Anyway, look, call me a stupid optimist, which is not normal for this guy, pointing to myself. But I do think that momentum plays a huge part. And obviously, we are on a huge downswing. You see it with downs- the Phillies. You right. saw it with the Phillies. We're on a huge downswing right now. And I actually do think that winning can, you know, winning definitely cures a lot. And I think if this team can mentally get themselves back into a place where they're they actually have some swag again um, that they can, you know, maybe at that point, the expectations will be a little bit lower. I don't know if the expectations have just been catching up to this team at this point, but I do think that if we see improvements over the next few weeks, they can have some confidence going into the playoffs. And it's, and, and at that point, it's a new slate. We see enough weird football where crazy things happen and you ha- it's very unpredictable. So I'm not saying all hope is lost, but if we're, if we're looking at things right now, there's really not a lot to be excited about. Alex, how about you? Yeah, um, I try to be optimistic. I also spend a ton of money every year going to all of these games, so I'd love to see a home playoff game, um, which probably won't happen. But it, I, I guess, in in my opinion, just like I said when it, when I talked over you, we did see it with the Philadelphia Phillies wild card team that went on to to go to the World Series and ended up losing it. Uh, la- well, year before last year, um, I don't feel good about us making it out of the wild card round. However, the fact that we have beat the Chiefs, the fact that we have beat the Bills, the fact that we have beat the Dolphins, we 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 know what we are capable of. We I don't know if it's going to be changes, but there was one time of year where Ali you're standing in front of a TV on our Instagram saying Jalen Hurts deserves the MVP. The Eagles had one really weird loss against the New York Jets. And it seems like if as long as they just keep on sending really mid quarterbacks out there, which they don't do in the playoffs, you might actually be okay. 
And as like sick as I felt last night, as little sleep as like I could not sleep last night. I was so bothered and just like my heart was racing. Like I just like I could not get to sleep last night. <laughs> I do think if we can get to the number two seed, we should be excited, but we should have our expectations low. But we have shown that we can beat these teams. We beat the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think we lose to the 49ers twice, even though they look like an absolute juggernaut and a totally different team. New defensive coordinator at the helm held a explosive Seattle offense to you know minimal points with the backup quarterback. But I think Brock Purdy is just as good as a backup quarterback, truthfully. I do think it's possible. I do think we could be excited. And just like in the famous words of Michael Scott, I'm ready to be let down again. <laughs> I am ready to be hurt again. So, ready to be hurt so, again. So I have a question for both of you since I'm surrounded by optimists and I'm the only pessimist in the group. What would you see? What would you need to see change in order for us to be successful in the playoffs? Um, I'll answer that because I have an answer ready to go. I need to see no more Jalen Hurts turnovers, and I need this defense to start forcing some turnovers. So, so let me be honest with you. There was one part of the game yesterday where I said, "This is a well-rounded game." There's a lot of running. There's a lot of complete passing. We're moving the ball. We're owning the time of possession. This should be an easy W. The situational part of that was ridiculous. Handing the ball off on third and eight. These quarterback draws where they make absolutely no sense. Not passing the ball when it's an obvious passing down. That stuff needs to go. I do think if we can take elements of yesterday, and I know it's ridiculous because we lost the game. We... Learn to check down the football. I think Dallas Goddard being back in this offense is actually ridiculously huge for this team. I do think we can have the offensive firepower to do what we need to do. If Sidney Brown can come back, Roby can play, okay. He was doing fine yesterday. Darius Slay is back. Um, uh, Shaq Leonard has a more uh, prevalent role in this defense because he has been limited with playing and we can stop the run and just do everything perfect. <laughs> um, but I do, I, I do think, I, I do think there were elements of yesterday where I did like what I saw. It's a situation. It looked really bad. I just want to piggyback off of that real quick. Um, because Deandre Swift, like we've been hoping for, and some of he this comes, great. he looked great. He had 18 carries for 74 yards. That's 4.1 yards per carry, which isn't setting the world on fire. But he, his long carry was 11 yards. So it's not like he he had a, a big 30-yard burst and the rest of his carries were short. He had one carry at the beginning of the game where I think he was tackled for a two- or three-yard loss. But every single play at a minimum, he was picking up three yards. At the end of the game, I believe there was four, four and a half minutes left. And it's when I texted you guys that the play made me horny because he ran to the ball to the outside and he slid down in bounds. He kept the clock running. And at that point, I thought we had the game sealed. How we figured out a way to lose after that, it just makes it, it that it's to your point. It's situational decision making. And they failed miserably yesterday. Yeah, I guess for me, when I think about what needs to get done in order to be successful in the playoffs, I, I definitely think the situational play calling has to, to come into play. Um, this offense reminds me a lot of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles before we went on our, our winning run. 
uh, towards the end of the season. And the key contributor for that winning run, if you recall, is Nick Sirianni recognizing that his sort of ownership of how this offense is run was fertilizer was was hurting frankly right like was was hurting how like how we could sort of achieve our potential and he handed the reins over to Shane Steichen and that's when we saw a significant upgrade in our offense towards the back half of the season so it wasn't the fertilizer speech it was not the fertilizer speech it was not the flower speech but what i will say is again i i said this last week in the week i, I think last week Dave Spadaro came out and said Nick Sirianni is still in full control of this offense. And Brian Johnson is is kind of like working hand in hand with him. I don't know about you guys, but if my boss is constantly over my shoulder telling me like, hey, this is how it needs to get done. And is constantly looking over my shoulder as far as like how I'm performing on each and every play, like that's going to affect how I work. That's going to affect how I plan. That's going to affect how I execute. So the fact that Nick Sirianni, I mean, what? what yeah, but, but you guys, yeah. he, he, he said that last week and he said, no, I'm confident with all the guys that we have in the building. And then basically Sean Desai just got to, to, to watch uh, from the from the couch, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to make a joke right here, but had to watch Matt Patricia uh, take his take his job or take his wife or whatever you want to call it right there. And, and he's watching from the sidelines and smiling about it. So. Like, I think it's one thing for Nick to say that to the press because he doesn't want there to be panic amongst everyone. But it's obviously very apparent that he's saying one thing to the press and is acting differently on the inside. Yeah, I mean, is Brian Johnson actually caught between a rock and a hard place? Because if he doesn't have actual freedom, if he's given, like we've alluded to before, you know, three different Tecmo Bowl plays that he's allowed to choose between because everything is just coming from Sirianni. And it's like, this is what you got to choose from, which is why we see the same bland, stale, vanilla bullcrap every week. Is that, you know, I don't know if I can blame Brian Johnson for that. You know, I still see a, a team full of experienced adults and, and, you know, in my mind, again, I, I know bad coaching can hold back good players, but more of this still comes from poor decision-making because we had a good balance this week. We actually, you know, we played with a lead, we established the run, but again, it's like, we don't really know what to do in these in-between phases when we're yeah. forced to just make, you yeah. know, to make decisions on the fly. And it's so weird because Hertz has just been so good in playing from behind. And it's like when the biggest moments matter, like he's really shown through some of these big moments that he can do it. And then just these boneheaded plays, the bad play calling. It's just whatever. You know who's actually really good? Brandon Mann can kick a football, though. I got to say, man, our punter yesterday, dude, he's he's pretty he's pretty awesome. He so, can throw a football, too. You know, even completed a, a first down. Add that to his resume. Not yesterday, the week before, but still. All right, so here's how we're going to close out today's episode. We've had some technical glitches. I don't really know where we're at with timing. We've, we're going to have to chop this up into a few recordings. Shout out yeah, to Ali's office. <laughs> um, so here's what I want. I want you guys one minute uninterrupted. Let's give us something we can look forward to. Maybe not so optimistic, but Ali, we've got a few games left in the season. The Eagles are definitely going to the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. We have some easy games upcoming. The holiday season is among us. It's January. What are some things that you are looking forward to for this football team? I'm going to call this episode doom and gloom, but let's talk a little bit about some of the things that that you are looking forward to and some, some expected changes in Drew. I'll, I'll pass it to you. Oh, do you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. 
Um, great question, great question, because it doesn't seem like there's a lot to look forward to right now. We've got three games that should be sort of tune-up games, right? Um, for the Eagles to sort of get back into the swing of things, we're playing Tommy DeVito, who's like, you know, America's sweetheart quarterback right now um, because of how he's performing with the Giants. We've got Kyler Murray going into, you know, go to go back to, to play Jonathan Gannon um, to, to kind of get a quote-unquote revenge game for his uh, lack of contribution in the Super Bowl. Um, I think I've got those games to sort of look forward to. And frankly, Super Wild Card Weekend is... The best, the best weekend, weekend ever. ever right? <laughs> How can you not get excited about the playoffs? Um, you know, do I do I anticipate that things will change on this team if we don't take a hard look at ourselves internally and and try to make those changes? No, I don't anticipate that there's going to be any changes. But what I love about this football league, what I love about the NFL, is that every single week is a new storyline. Uh -huh. The middle of this season, the 49ers lost three straight games, and everyone was saying the 49ers have fallen off the deep end. They're not as good as everyone thought. And now they're talking about the 49ers as being the team to be and the likely Super Bowl favorite for the NFL. I think we can either take this moment and say, hey, we've lost three straight games, and we're going to continue to lose, and we're just going to try to play for draft picks at this point, and look for the future, or we can take this as a moment to fire Brian Johnson and come back, <laughs> come back and say, you know what? Back on we that have, again. We have a lot of things that we can improve upon, and let's try to treat these next three games as ways that we can get back into the swing of things before we go into the playoffs. Cool. Andrew, I am, yeah, I'm excited about the potential of Avante Maddox possibly returning. Um, our defense could use any extra hands and feet and bodies in the secondary as humanly possible, especially ones with some experience. I am excited about, I'm not real. I don't know, like maybe about Darius slash Shaq Leonard, you know, continuing to get his feet under him. I mean, I, again, like the, the linebacker play was, was despicable yesterday. And, uh, I didn't think Leonard looked good. You know, there was a, a tackle that Sidney Brown failed to rack up along the sideline and Leonard was right there backing him up. And the next thing you know, Kenneth Walker darted down the sideline for like 10 to 15 more yards. So, um, I, you know, I, I hope he can somehow get himself to a point where he's able to contribute a little bit more. Uh, you know, we're doing the best with what we can. We've, we've brought in, uh, you know, Byard and, and, and Roby and all these guys off the scrap heap. I hope Cunningham comes back cause he's clearly our best linebacker. And I, I hope that maybe getting a couple wins against some lackluster teams can somehow, you know, recreate some optimism in the locker room. Because um, I, I think that's all, all all we have is prayer right now. That's all we have is just prayer, you know. So, okay, I'm going to give you two numbers. The first one is number one. I love Jalen Hurts. There is not another quarterback in the entire NFL that I would take over him right now. I wouldn't take Brock Purdy. I wouldn't take Dak Prescott. I wouldn't take Patrick Mahomes and all of his crybaby antics. Jalen Hurts is quarterback one. I am so grateful that he's our quarterback, although he does have moments where we're like, why are you thinking that way? Boneheaded move, whatever, right? None of us would have loved to see Marcus Mariota starting yesterday. Let's just, let's just call that out. Second number is two. Two games. That's all it takes for us to get to a Super Bowl victory. We win out these easy games right here, and then we have two playoff wins that we need to get to. 
Well, I guess three. <laughs> so I guess the number is three. But actually, no, it is two. Because the, the reason for that is if we play the Bucks first rounds of the playoffs, we know we can beat the Bucks. Then it's Except for come two years to, ago in the playoffs where they made Jalen Hurts look is, like what he looks right now. Team, this is a different <laughs> team, though. We, 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 we scooted into the playoffs, and we knew that we had no business being there. Okay, We've clinched the playoffs. I think this is like the uh, second earliest time the Eagles have done this or, or, or whatever, right? We, we win the wild card weekend against a really bad team, and then it's just two more games to, to get to where we need to go. All I'm saying is it is possible. We have a cupcake walk. And even potentially into the first round of the playoffs because the NFC South is a total dumpster fire right now. And the path to us getting all the way, I wish I could have, I, I wish I could re record this and re articulate my thoughts here, but I think you guys are getting what I'm getting at here. I got you. Is, is it's just going to come down to us playing really, really, really well at the end of this season after we win a few games against some easier teams. And I do think the Eagles are capable of that. We just went through arguably the hardest schedule in the entire NFL over the last six games, probably five games. I do think the Eagles can do it. I do think we can pull it out. I wish I could re-record this segment, but I hope you guys understand what I'm getting at here. Um, Question for you both. Question for you both. Sure. If your babies or if your children are ever having trouble going to sleep at night, do you ever think to just play a Jalen Hurts press conference for them? (sighs) Yeah, it's pretty bad. Here's another – because I'm getting – I know we're going to wrap things up shortly, but my final thing on Jalen is uh, I'm really, I don't like his body language. I don't like, I don't like the way that like McNabb used to, used to smile if he didn't convert on third down and Carson Wentz used to frolic like a leprechaun coming off the field. If they didn't convert on third down, Jalen hurts looks like he has no life in him. And when he talks after the games, Oh, you know, just got to get back to the drawing board and just, uh, you know, this is the NFL. You can't win without losing. Like, I'm tired of it. And mm-hmm. and that's that's what that's what losing does. I get that. You know, we, we can accept everything when when the team's winning. But at this point, dude, like, get, get, I need a shot of life out of you because there is zero intensity and I'm feeling it. Yeah. All right, Drew. Send us home. Well, everybody, this is uh, episode 77 of the Winging a Podcast. And, uh, you know, we're just going to get back to the drawing board and just uh, – you know, we're going to come back later this week, and, uh, you know, I put the blame on myself, and, uh, uh, you know, that it is what it is. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. God, I hope we're in better spirits when we record later this week. And also, Alex, tomorrow we're announcing Eagles ticket winners, correct? Eagles ticket winners. I will All announce right. it tomorrow, Wednesday at noon. So be on the lookout in your DMs if you enter that. All right, guys. Peace. Go Birds. Go birds.